Hello everyone, this is Donnie aka Elevated and thank you for tuning in to the podcast again. This is episode 14 of Alchemy Answers and Jenkins and I talk about some really interesting subject matter. Answered a ton of questions in this one, so I hope you enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Welcome to the newest episode of Alchemy Answers. It's going to be episode 14. And if you're new to the show, we've been doing this for 13 previous episodes. Surprise, surprise. Basically, submit your questions. We're going to take questions about Dota. It could be about the meta. It could be about how to play various heroes. It could be about how to rank up, deal with ladder anxiety, etc. Whatever you want. And just throw your questions in the chat. We'll try and go through as many as we can. Um, and just, you know, we're going to have like a learning and bonding experience. It's going to be great. Davis Moore says, is Storm Spirit a bad hero because of the way mono regen works now? I think, I think Storm Spirit was a bad hero when the patch just came out and mono regen was changed and they didn't really buff anything, uh, to, to kind of make him better. But since then they've given him a few buffs. I think they gave him like increased int gain, something like that. Uh, his remnant damage now does 270 damage at max level, which is great for killing people. So I think I think I think probably Storm is in like not the greatest place right now, but he will be good with probably a couple more patches because I I, I do genuinely believe that it was an unintentional change to make Storm Spirit a shit hero. Like they just kind of neglected Storm, I guess, in the change, because there's so much to Dota, you change all these calculations, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden PA is broken. You know what I mean? Right. So I think... What I do you think, think about the Bloodstone think, charge, by the way? Like, the usage of the, it? The, the, the change of it. Do you think it's better for Storm, worse for Storm? I think it's I think it's worse for it's worse for Storm, only because before all of that Bloodstone mana regen would be amplified by your intelligence. So if you had, like, a Shiva's plus a Bloodstone, it would give you basically double the bloodstone regen and right. now you you just get the bloodstone regen so until they just change it so those raw numbers are like close to what they were plus some other buffs storm will be weak like that's just the that's just the math like you know this hero's based on mana regen and, and having mana and once he once he has almost as much mana as before plus he's got these other buffs like it'll even out so he's the same hero which was relatively good makes sense okay let's go on to the next one which is so I love Drow Ranger. This is by Doug V. Plus two hundred games. You see him stronger than ever. What are your thoughts? Uh, I saw I saw Drow a couple of games at the the major qualifiers, and it seemed people were playing it as more of like a fighting hero that isn't necessarily a hero that needs to have like ranged heroes on her team. I've seen it picked with OD, like heroes that need attack speed, uh, and it just seemed good to pick the hero not worrying about Drow lineups. Like, I think I think the hero is probably just a decent fighting slash like farming regular carry. I don't think she's on the same level as like Terrorblade or PA right now, but she's definitely like Jug level, and I think Jug is relatively good. Like you're not gonna go into a game, see a Jug, and be like, oh fuck, this game is lost. Yeah, because it's just a good hero. Yeah, I mean the the attack speed is is pretty useful. I don't think that you know before it was basically like okay, you have this hero who. Loses the lane 100% of the time, has to go to the jungle. Jungles for like 20 minutes, and her team is hopefully winning the game with the aura. 
But now, I mean, Drow's always had a very strong skill set in terms of like the slow and the silence. So she has pretty good team fight control, and the ability to one shot ancients is pretty powerful because those creeps are pretty insane. Are really important as far as accelerating your farm. I do think that. Um, if you watched how Thompson played it the other day for OG, they had like a Luna who was actually the carry, taking advantage of the attack speed from Thompson's Drow, and then Thompson went these fighting builds. He went Blink Dagger, I think it was like Treads, Blink Dagger, Hurricane Pike were his items, and that allowed him to just have high mobility in fights, move around the map, and then the Luna was the one actually benefiting from the attack speed. So I think that's pretty a pretty interesting way of using the hero. Yeah. Great. Okay, here's another good question uh, from Levi Rikonen. Sorry if I'm butchering your names. I am 100% butchering, butchering your names, but I don't even care. Uh, how did the offlane meta change with 720? Dual lane still meta, yes or no? Necro still viable, and what is the best position for techies? That's a lot of questions. I think Necro is so bad. Not, not that viable. <laughs> I, think you need too, I think you need too many levels on that hero, and you're going to lose the lane before... Uh, before this hero gets enough levels to be strong. Uh, Scythe is still good, but doesn't really matter when you get crushed in the lanes and lose in 20 minutes. It's the same reason I think Chen is weak right now. I think Chen's spells are really strong. The fact that he basically has a built-in caudal recall makes him a broken hero, but only in like the mid to late game. And if you have a hero who's dog shit useless in the lanes, you're just going to get completely run over, especially in this meta. Uh, people are just winning games in 20 minutes based off of... I, I, like, I, I don't know how your posts have been going, Donnie, but... 90% of my pubs are total stomps, like one direction or the other. Just complete annihilation. And then there's like the occasional game that goes to 50 minutes. Uh, so I would say no. Yeah, mine aren't quite like that. There's definitely a lot more throwing, but I will say that it does feel like every single game is like on the verge of snowballing. And it's kind of up to you to like manage that. Either push the snowball forward for your team or try and like manage the damage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a very snowbally meta, and Necro is like one of the least snowbally heroes, I would say, at this point, because Hardstopper Aura now has the regen. So, you, like Jenkins said, you have to get like, you basically have to get like level 10 before you're the same hero that you were at like yeah, level yeah. 2 before. Not great. It's not great. Um, okay. So, how did the offlane meta change? The offlane meta is relatively the same in terms of you still have a lot of value in denying creeps and controlling the creep wave. I, I would say that there's more value in kills, but a lot of the heroes that are good at controlling the creep wave are also good at killing. So if you generally just go into the lane and lane well, I think you'll be pretty solid. I think the offlane meta changed mostly based on what carries are strong, which is like Slark, PA, uh, Lone Druid. That hero is picked as a mid sometimes too, but... Like these these carry heroes change what heroes are picked in the offlane, and then also there are just broken-ass uh, offlaners right now. Like, Sand King is extremely strong just because the hero got changed, buffed. Magnus is probably the best hero in Dota right now because I don't know why they made it so his shockwave pulls people in. That shit is insane. It's basically like a slow slash kind of like pseudo-disable stun, which also does damage, which, which also pulls people in for it like It doesn't cancel who... TPs, though, does it? It does not, but okay. I mean, you can pull people closer to you and then set up for a skewer right. or something like that. It gives you a lot of options, and as if Mag wasn't like already good enough in the previous patch. Then like Axe is really good, uh, despite the nerfs, because I mentioned Lone Druid, Jug, Slark, PA. What hero annihilates all of those ones? Axe with a blade mail, of course. So I think Axe is just a generally very strong hero, despite all the nerfs. Uh, he's better at like laning now. I think I think I think on Axe you probably want to like max the. The, the nuke 
But in any case, I'm going off on the tangents. That, that basically, I, th I think the offlane meta has just changed mostly due to the heroes that are strong. I don't think that like, and I, I, I think I think it's relatively the same as the previous patch. Yeah, dual offlane is still a thing, mm -hmm. but you also can run the solo offlane if you have something like an Enigma or a hero that doesn't really care about getting harassed that much, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely there's definitely um, roaming roaming that happens now just because kills are important after the offlaner has the lane secured, but that was happening before too. That that's not that's not necessarily anything anything new. I, I would just say it's probably more common now just because kills are of greater value and the game is right. more snowbally. And so finally, what is, what is the best position for techies? For techies. Uh, I would say that the way Robovice, a.k.a. Alex, a.k.a. PPD's brother, the way he plays it is probably going to be good because the guy's probably the best techies in the world. And he plays it as a four. I think the reason you play it as a four is because it's really hard to like go into a lane and get last hits on techies and to get farm on techies until you have some levels. But basically the way you want to play techies in the in the game is you're a four that will eventually take the one role <laughs> like you'll eventually carry the game like you want your team to play away from you and just put mines on one side of the map and then your team swaps to that side of the, the map and you you play there and then techies goes to the other side like you do, essentially do a 4-1 except with the techies being the one but in the lanes he's a support and i think after the lanes he's he's more of a core and takes farm so you probably want like a fighting carry and then you probably want an offlaner like you know centaur axe who can get some early items and then contribute uh, I saw in the uh, the major qualifiers there was uh, I think it was Ice 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 and whoever their four roll is I don't remember who their four roll is. Jazz. Name is that is that fanatic? Fanatic. Uh, DJ. DJ. Yeah. DJ. Uh, DJ would basically DJ would basically farm like he would farm outside the laning stage. Ice 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 would farm in the laning stage, get some early items on Centaur, and then DJ was like phoenix and then he would he would take the farm on phoenix and centaur would run around fighting i think techies is like that where you want you want to be a support in the lane but after that your hero scales so well that you can take farm yeah techies is great it's, at harassing in the lane he's he's good at being that kind of like the wind ranger that's just poking you constantly because he has very long attack range and he got a huge movement speed buff so he's actually pretty hard to like he's a good good kill hero too like if you yeah. set up for him yep and then it is kind of an interesting concept where you can you basically have techies control one side of the map, and then when you want to switch orientation on the map, you just move everybody to the side, the opposite side, and then instead of just sacrificing that lane to the other team, like they can go there, but they're also just going to die to the techies. So it's like almost better to do it that way. So both of you, do you think you're both learning faster when you're coaching people too, or just besides playing the game? Like, what was the, you cut out for a second? You. Do both of you think that you are learning faster when you're coaching people as well instead oh, of just yeah. playing the game? For sure, for sure. Coaching, watching competitive, all of these things are, are, are at least for me, really good. Uh, mostly because it's something to do. This is really good for me too because mostly it's something to do other than like binging pubs. I, I think uh, at le my theory at least is like I've played so many games. I've liked over 10,000 games of Dota. I've played for like six years. Every day I, I would come home and i would just play dota it's it's I, I haven't had another game in like the past six years other people play pokemon dark souls whatever i i just play dota but in any case my theory is that like for for me the mentality aspect is a is a really big deal if i'm feeling like anxious or no confidence i'll fucking feed pubs not intentionally 
Uh, and then also, like, if I really want to play the game, I'll think super actively about it. I was, uh, I played a few games after casting the major qualifiers where I went, like, between, like, five games. I had five or six deaths or something like that as, as carry, and I, I don't even know that rule. And it's just because, like, I, I think if you really want to play the game, you will super think actively about it. And I really, really wanted to play, and I was also emulating what I saw, like, professional carry, tier one carry players doing which isn't necessarily great but most importantly like i really wanted to play my entire focus was on the game i didn't have some fucking ulterior motive so anytime something would happen in the game it's like oh this guy entered my lane i have to leave because this is this is dangerous for me i had no like i need to win this game because i've lost mmr so i'm gonna bully this guy to try to you know what i mean there's no like bullshit intercepting the the like objective line of reasoning in in the game for me whereas if i'll if i play like 10 games in a row and i'm losing all i'm thinking about is i want to have a good team oh my god this is going poor. like there are all of these other just useless thoughts in there so i think i think yes it's it's much better for me That's yeah d- definitely uh, same for me too i definitely also would say that because i'm making content and you know doing some casting and analyzing replays i'm playing less which inevitably means that I'm losing less because <laughs> that's true. Like Dota is one of the most fatiguing activities I've ever done. And if you play like two games, you play like one 50 minute game. And if you immediately queue up for another game after that, there's like, I would guarantee that there's probably like a 30 or 40% higher chance that you lose that game. I think so too. I think I, I actually think so too. There's games where I'll queue and then I get into the game and I'm loaded in and I'm just like, fuck, I shouldn't have done this. Like, I yep. actually don't want to play this. Yep. I look at the heroes. I don't want to play any of the heroes, but I'm stuck. Yep. And now I'm just playing this game. I don't want to play. So I'm going to play way worse. Yeah. And it's just that mindless queuing. I've definitely been there as well. And I, I may remember actually, I was playing on, on stream last week and I played, it was, I think it was like a 72 minute game where I was playing support and I literally had bought, like 7,000 gold worth of support items. And I had like, you know, <laughs> boots plus staff. wand plus like four staff at like 72 minutes and we won. And so I was happy, but at the same time I was like, I actually need to just like go take a nap because I'm so mentally exhausted from playing this game. And I pressed yeah. the Q button and I was like, wait, hold on guys. I know you want me to play another game. I'm on stream. There's a bunch of people watching me, but I have to stop because I'm going to lose this game and I'm going to be, really terrible to watch because i'm not going to want to talk to anybody and i'm just going to be toxic so yeah i stopped Damn, and didn't lose that game <laughs> john john ellervorts says it really nicely actually he said dota is all about being present i i really like that word yeah like just your your mind just has to be there and ready to go i i, I really like the way you worded that yeah that's that's Jenkins, very do, smart do a dab or else i'm not doing that because i've never like dabbed to myself in 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 the mirror or anything like that so i I would just risk being like super cringy doing it just like imitating what people do oh fucking memes man okay we've had a bunch of questions about like going to fights and leaving lanes you want to take one of those sure sorry i'm gonna cut you off in your tangent right there all right that's good that's probably (laughs) that's probably for the best let's be real Okay, so hi, I'm a 4-5 position player in ZA. Is that South Africa? S-E-A? No, Z-A. Oh, Z-A. Z-A. That might be... I don't know. 
Anyway, I have a problem with knowing when to leave the lane to gank or stack. South or, Africa, shit. Or when to constantly Man. babysit my carry. Cool. Any tips? I was going to live in South Africa. My family was going to move there instead of Canada. But in any case, what was the question? <laughs> when to leave the lane, when to babysit the carry, when to stack as a 4-5. Uh, I would I would say as a four, you should be focusing on like having a good game yourself, and uh, fighting, and, and and like running like roaming basically. But as as a five, uh, basically like the whole idea behind the five role is that you want to do whatever you can to like support your carry until the carry can solo lane against whoever it whoever it is there. If you can't do that because it's a losing lane then you want to just support that lane until your carry eventually can't lane and he goes in jungles, and then that's when you you take the lane. So in the, both of those scenarios, you're not stack pulling, anything like that. Where you want to, to stack to, to pull is like in order to win the lane, in order to get something out of the lane. Uh, and for stacking, I would really say that stacking is like, should probably be do, doing something else, and the stacking just happens uh, because you're in the area. I, I would say that this is not a patch where you want to like run off and stack for the most part, unless it's after your carry has already won the lane and there's nothing else for you to do, basically. But I think you, your presence in another lane would probably be better, unless you think your carry is like unsafe. When it comes to when it comes to like this this sort of shit, you basically just need to think of what is your job in the game, and then. I can't give you a flowchart just because, like, there doesn't exist one. That's what I'm, like, realizing lately is these pro players aren't just like, oh, this happened, so I'm going to go do this. They're literally just feeling the game. So I would say that the best, the best way that you want to approach it is just go into the game and, and have the thought process of, like, I want my carry to be able to, to solo up here. I just want to give my carry a good game. And then whatever it is that you think is the best way of doing that, just, like, just, like, Go for it. And if it doesn't yeah. work, it doesn't work. For the most part, your presence in the lane is, is most likely going to be the most important thing. Just being being there, using your nukes on the enemy team, soaking her ass for your carry. And uh, I wouldn't really worry about stacking and pulling only if it's going to get you something in the lane. Yeah, as somebody who plays a lot of support, basically your number one focus is just to make sure that your win condition has a good start to the game because that's going to allow them to win you the game in the, in the long run. Um. As far as stacking, it's kind of something, it's sort of like if you're playing carry and you're moving from one lane to another, that's when you farm the jungle. You don't like, you don't just go farm the jungle randomly, hopefully, because that's bad. You want to be farming the lane. You want to be pushing the lane, getting that farm. And then if you're moving somewhere, then you kind of like farm your way to that place through the jungle. Jungle camps are basically a resource to get you between more important places without just wasting time. And as a support, it's kind of the same thing. So, like, let's say you TP to the mid lane to refill your mid's bottle or to place a ward for them or to stop a gank or turn it around. Then where do you go next? Probably back to your carry or whoever is maybe pushing a tower in the off lane or something like that. But on your way there, you can probably notice that, okay, well, I'm close to around the time that the stack should be happening. So you just go to the nearest camp and you stack it and then you continue on your way. It's sort yeah. of like... You can just kind of be more efficient in the way that you're not just like standing in the jungle for 45 seconds. Oh, here's the stack. Then you do the stack and then you just sit there for another 45 seconds and then you wait for the next stack. That's not how you do it. <laughs> you basically do these things on the way to more important objectives. And as a result, it ends up giving your team more farm in the long run. 
Uh, should I build an Octarine core on Naga Siren? No, you shouldn't, because she is more of a traditional carry now. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't need an Octarine core. You need damage items. Illu illusion items. She's like a terrible aid. Hi, I've been losing games where I usually play mid and get about 17, 5, and 6 stats, but our position 1 can't win the game and we lose. Any help? You should go watch the video that I made like 3 or 4 days ago on why you're winning the lanes but losing the game. We've actually made 2 or 3 of these videos, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that you're having a good laning stage, and then you just simply don't know how to transition that into the mid and late game, which means that basically you get some kills early, you dominate the lanes, and then you pretty much just farm the jungle or you farm like the lanes to a certain point, and then you either feed away some kills in your streak or you just end up accomplishing nothing and not actually pushing buildings because you just run from one fight to the next and keep trying to take fights that have no purpose being taken at all. And really what it comes down to is setting up some sort of vision via pushing the creep wave towards the objective that you want to go to and then positioning yourself around the next objective that you want to go to, placing some awards. You can do that as a mid player. If your supports are not doing that, it's okay. And you just need to have some sort of plan as to where you're moving as opposed to just running from one side of the map to the other side of the map, chasing the enemy team, trying to fight them because that's not actually how you win the game. And I just made a video about it, so it's on the YouTube channel. Agreed. I, uh, I'm not sure with the mid lane, but I, I, I'm going to make a video on this soon for uh, the carry role. Uh, basically, it's this idea that like not dying is really important as a carry because, and I, I think it's similar for mid because like you're the late game insurance policy, and what your job is is basically like when that perfect opportunity comes to kill the entire enemy team and close out the game. You need to be you need to be as strong as possible. So like if you're avoiding death for 30, 45 minutes, even if you're like sacrificing your team to do it, chances are there's going to hit a point in the game where the enemy team fucks up and put themselves out of position where it's like, okay, now this you know this lion that was that was killing me, he got himself caught out because he's an idiot. So now I can take this fight that I couldn't take the whole game because this lion got caught out. And then all of a sudden you get an, an ultra kill in that fight. You run down mid. You take a tier two somebody buys back they die because they're trying to defend boom that's the game ending right there that's the fight that ends the game but if if you if you can't recognize that opportunity when it happens like you're just not taking any opportunities you're not taking any fights you're going to be pretty fucked uh that that's a whole different subject of its own like when to when to fight when to not you basically just have to judge based on how the fights have been going what you know the heroes do what you know about your hero but then also if you're if you're like you're dying a lot if you if you get a lot of kills but then you die in like crucial moments when you when you shouldn't die you're going to be fucked as well so it's it's basically just like this balance of like you need to really assess when you're a mid or a carry player is it worth risking my life to go how important is my life and is it worth risking it to go into this fight like is this fight good or am i just fighting this because my team are, are, are idiots and and they're going in you need you need to like make sure that you're if if you're fighting, it's going to be good for you. And if it's not, like, when in the future you would like to to take a fight. Knowing when to not fight in Dota is really, really important because it sets up for better fights later. Yes. That's, that's the thing. Because you're not dead, you can go farm. And if you don't take a fight, you need to be pressuring objectives uh, just to fuck with the enemy team, force them, force them back. Also, there's something to be said for, like, if you're, if you're not ending, if you're not ending out games, uh, maybe you're not thinking objectively enough and I probably shouldn't have used that word because objectively usually means like logically and not with your emotions. But what I mean is like about objectives, you should be fighting around objectives. Like the purpose of 
fighting around this area is because it's the Roche pit, because then we can take the Aegis, run down mid, take high ground, not just fighting to fight. That's, that's, that's another thing. You, it's, it's really important to, like, kills and fights have to occur for a specific reason. 18 kills don't matter if they are not around or for a specific objective, because do in Dota, it's, it's all about those objectives. Like, in fact, if you... Yeah, if you're a Terrorblade and you kill their support, you kill their support crystal main, you're Terrorblade, and you kill their support crystal main in your jungle, away from any towers, yeah, 25 work. times in a game, you're actually accomplishing nothing. Right. The, the way I... The way I was the way I was gonna put it is basically like if you if you win ten fights for no purpose and then the enemy team wins three fights for objectives, you're gonna lose. Yeah. Because because those objectives are gonna limit your map control, it's gonna limit your farming, it's gonna limit your area where you can safely fight. And then those three fights are gonna result in like six or seven one fights in the late game for the enemy team. Whereas for you, those ten fights are gonna re result in nothing. Uh, it's it's just really really important to like you can fight and fighting is important in Dota to think about but fighting for objectives is like the most important thing and I say I realize that I say that and you know we all slip and fuck up and just fight for no reason but it, it's really important he just made a video about basically being your own coach and like if you do fuck up and you're not fighting around objectives just make sure to do it more later in the game just like constantly criticize yourself and be like there's no reason to fight there Mag was dead I, I shouldn't have fought anyway like just Constantly be be like thinking about like why you should fight and if you fucked up in the past, just recognize it and move on. Basically, yeah. There's like it's almost like a superpower to ask yourself questions like that. Just like throughout the game, what am I doing right now? Should I actually be doing this? What what's the next objective that's actually gonna help me win this game? Like these, just legitimately asking yourself those questions will help you have a better plan going forward. Yeah. All right. Have you got any tips for divine players trying to rank up to immortal? Uh, yeah. Play less. Watch more replays. Tilt less. Get communicate boosted. more with your team. Get boosted. <laughs> I'm just joking. Hire Jenkins to boost you. I could not boost from. I could not do that. <laughs> not right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> I saw sure. a top 10 immortal streamers say that right now you can basically first pick anti-mage every game. What do you think about that statement? And do you feel the same? Ah, oh, we got prime operator in here. Cool. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's accurate. I think you can, I think you can, there are heroes that are strong enough to, to first pick. I think, uh, anti-mage PA Magnus, uh, Slark, like these heroes, you can actually first pick and ax a lot of, a lot of cores are just so strong that like you'll almost always have a good game with them. Uh, there's just so many options like on anti-mage you just you have to be good at anti-mage but you can do it and let's just put it this way if professional teams are first picking pa and anti-mage and winning with it i'm pretty sure you can do it in a pub which is going to be less coordinated and the draft is going to be significantly worse yeah yeah i think i think it's hard i think i think to 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 first pick anti-mage you have to be pretty good i would yeah. say if you if you want a better first pick hero for Maybe if you're not a great anti-mage or just not a great carry player or something, I would say PA is pretty easy to execute. Like I, 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 th I think a top ten player would say that because they're probably really fucking good at anti-mage. But yeah. if you take like one or two fights that you shouldn't on anti-mage, you'll just lose the game. Uh, so you need to really, really be good at like knowing when to show up to fights, uh, when to just farm and to ditch your team and to let them die. Like that's that's not an easy call to make, man. Like your whole team's getting wiped. They're pushing your tier two, and you fucking push their tier one. Like. That's a hard call to make. You're sacrificing a lot, but sometimes you just can't fight. You have to ignore all of your impulses to fight, but then sometimes 
you can't just have the impulse where it's like, I'm going to keep farming and not fight with my team because then you'll just lose the game. Yep. So it's like, it's, it's this, it's, re it's really this fine line, but a lot of these anti-mage players like Ritsu and I don't know, Burning, if he still fucking plays, like any of these anti-mage players, yeah, they'll be able to do it because that hero just farms so quickly right now and is so strong in the game that eventually you'll just come online faster than any of the other carries and harder than any, any of the other carries and you can just win the game. Yep. You can just get, get better items than, than they can, but. But the key, again, is that they know exactly how to play the hero in all these scenarios. Um, next question is, yeah. is it efficient to have two to three Bracers, Wraithband, or Null Talisman if you can't combine them? I think this is a really, really good question right now in the current meta. Is it efficient to have, to have two or three Bracers? Is that, was that the question? Like, yeah. Is the Bracer trend efficient? Yeah. I think, I think Bracers and Null Talismans are way better than Wraithbands right now, for sure, just because yeah. of how Wraithbands have been nerfed, but... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really efficient. The thing is, like, the problem is when they added an, another slot, like, you don't need that, uh, you don't need that TP slot anymore, and then also making it so these, like, small build-up items, or these, like, these, like, smaller items have the additional, like, stats, like the... Uh, magic resist, attack magic speed, resist yeah. Like, if, if, you, if you just go through all of the items in the game, and you look at the math on, like, how much gold you're paying for what you're getting, you get way too much from these little items. And then that, on top of the fact that there are these additional slots, this this additional slot that you have, uh, and then on top of the fact that some of the other early game items have been nerfed, like there's no Akilla anymore, so people don't go for Bassy. Um, and then that, on top of the fact that the meta is hugely snowball-y right now, people are saying like games end in 20 minutes, at least in like the higher tier games. So basically, like you already want to fight in the early game, and if you are holding out on gold to buy like a blink dagger or any of these bigger items and somebody runs at you with three bracers you are going to get fucked up 100 percent of the time you're going to lose towers and then it's not going to matter if you get that blink dagger because you're going to not have any map control and the enemy team is going to be winning so it, it's it's like it's basically just safer to build into those bracers and stuff and the thing is with the gold that you get from fighting and the gold that you get from farming and the fact that you can sell these items for half the cost, you actually end up like getting more gold this way by building into them than not. That's the thing is like you, you can build like two bracers first on Magnus, and then you're just going to be running around as this immortal like 200 or 2000 HP guy that is just taking towers and shit. And from the tower gold, from the bounty gold that you're going to secure by just being tanky, winning your lane, and running around with bracers, and from like the kill gold and from not dying. And, and not off. having not having deaths, it actually pays off more than if you were to just save for the blink dagger. And here's the thing: the math is actually pretty straightforward. If you get three wraith bands, you get essentially a 500 gold item in gloves of haste worth of attack speed for free. It comes out of nowhere. If you get three bracers, you get essentially a 550 gold item in terms of a cloak for free. If you get three null talismans, you get essentially a 2,000 gold worth item in terms of Kaya for free. That's it. What fucks with me is the fact that, like, if you have four bracers, you're going to have close to 50% magic resist and then, yeah. like, an extra 500 HP or something stupid like that. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just, it's nuts. And then also you get, the thing is, like, what, what fucked up these items for me is that if you build, like, three bracers, and this is something that I was looking at the other day, like, when I was Magnus, I was like, man, I have, like, 12 regen. Where am I getting regen from? 
It's the strength on the bracers. Yeah. You get you get mana regen from null talismans. So you run around a Skywrath mage with like five null talismans, and you just can sustain all of your mana costs from items that also now amplify your 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 damp your your magic damage. So it's yeah. it's it's just insane. Basically, with like the new HP regen and uh, mana regen, you are so strong in the early game because of these goddamn items. Because like Donnie said, the math on it is really simple and it's good, but now you're getting these this extra regen that didn't exist before, but it's only good in the early game because it doesn't scale with your int anymore. So it's not like it's not like your traditional regen items, but they still right. give you regen for some reason. Yep. So you're just getting these extra stats from nowhere. Like it was just added. Do I think that the all hero challenge is underrated? I feel like this old school thing that nobody does anymore, but I got way better doing this in the last couple of months. That's that's fair. I think I think I think learning every role and every hero is probably good for you. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I'm trying to learn carry right now because of this. I just want to be a better player. I don't know how to play any role but offlane and a little bit of four. So I'm just gonna take. I don't know the next the next few months, six months to probably just like learn other roles. Uh, not, I'm not going to be playing competitively or anything like that. So I definitely have the time to like actually actively learn the roles, and it doesn't impact my, it doesn't impact me the way it would if I was playing competitive and playing support in pubs. People be like, "What are you fucking doing, man? You should be practicing." Like nobody is holding me accountable for like practicing offlane roles. So I'm, I'm basically doing the all hero challenge except with learning Good. all the roles. Good. Having that extra perspective is never going to be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and also having just any sort of feel for like cast points or how spells should be used always going to be beneficial playing against them or playing with them on your team so i think i think it's totally a viable way to get better mm -hmm. go to alchemy asked by joel 1031 what do you think the average mmr of your viewership is just curious i'm 3.4k by the way i think like 3.5k probably yeah, uh, I remember back on, when I was working for PBGNA, we had a tool that tracked MMR of the users. You could submit your own. So it wasn't 100% accurate, but I think the average MMR was like exactly 3,000. So I'm pretty sure if you look at like the bell curve from Open Dota, for example, it is like right around like the 2.8 to 3K. So I would say that is pretty much. I was actually talking with, with Heen, and he was saying like, well, like he's you know watched quite a bit of content uh, dota content agrees with us when we were saying like there's a lack of good dota content like non-toxic dota content he was just like you know what a lot of people don't realize that the people that you're talking to they're not like pros and stuff you can't just you can't just like uh, say things with like underlying assumptions you know where it's like oh this this is you know how pro teams work of course it's how pro teams work it's like nobody's a fucking pro People, people are playing this game with their friends, party queuing and shit. Like, I don't know. It's, oh, yeah. it's so, so you need to like, yeah. You can't just, you can't just. That's, that's why like a lot of pro players, they can't, they can't make content because they just make shit like. I don't know. Assuming, assuming that you know, things a lot. Yeah, a lot. Uh, like, I mean, I was just playing a game with with Ritsu, and uh, he was like, I, I played five, and he was like flaming me because i didn't pull it's like well fuck man i mean i'm like six point something k and even like i i still don't know how to pull because i don't play support like you're just assuming that i know this because you're a pro you're a pro player and like everybody that you play with is good but i'm just fucking 
casually playing support, trying to learn <laughs> it for fun, and it's like you're flaming me because I don't know how to fucking pull. It's like I'm an offlane player, man. But I get it. I get it. It's like you play at all these LAN events, and you maybe not Ritsu, but you play it. You play at all these LAN events, and you have somebody like PPD going to pubs and maybe you know flame somebody, and it's just because you're so used to playing with people that like know how to do everything. But that, that's just not. That's just not how it is. It's not at all. Yeah. How do you play Chen in the current patch? Uh, if you did not watch JStorm play in the North American qualifiers, you should go watch that because it was some next level stuff. March played it. He was like the only person that played Chen in the qualifiers and he absolutely destroyed teams with it. He went for one point in Holy Persuasion to get a purge creep specifically to counter a Darkseer and just purge the Darkseer's Ion Shell for the entire laning stage. And yeah. then he just abused the fact that Chen has literally a 4,200 gold item from Keeper of the Light on him now at level 1, which is really to relocate your teammates wherever you want, send them home, basically, and then bring them back to you with full HP and mana. Yeah, that, sh that, sh that shit's like the most broken thing about it's Chen. It's so overpowered. Also, the fact that he can trade extremely well because he has an ability that gives him damage and HP regen, which means that you can just fight but, people. But with that being said, I, I would say that Chen is definitely like, you have to have strong lanes to pick a Chen because he's not good in the laning stage. In like the first few levels, you will get you will get rolled unless you get lucky with creeps, which is not a good thing to like base your your entire laning on it's like oh i need to get the harpy creep or i need to be against a dark seer and get like a purge creep you know well i mean marsh doesn't play it as a creep getter he plays it as yeah but even lane still support I, that I, harasses. I think it's strong stronger and competitive because you'll actually yeah. be able to draft a lineup around it right. if you pick a chen and you've like an anti-major slark safe lane they're going to feed the fucking game and they're going to yeah. be very upset with you <laughs> you know so yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely like a a higher skill hero right now, just because the laning is is weak. You you need to do. I played with a good Chen the other day. You you need to like do a lot to make up for the fact that you need to have strong lane mechanics to make up for the fact that his laning is weak, because otherwise you'll get rolled in the lane. Want to ask about audio cues from hero abilities such as Pledge Hook or things like Howl on Lycan? How do I use this information? I personally think it's really important to play with audio on yes. i can't stand when people play with music blasting because i think there are a lot of things that you can hear before you see uh, like let's say you hear you know tiny toss sound you can hear that and he can toss something from out of vision like your camera positioning can be perfect and you'll still hear that yep. and you can get ready to, and your turn you can turn away if you if you hear like the toss sound how do you use that i would say i can't really give you any advice on how to use it just because it's like audio cues are going to be so quick that it has to be impulse there's no like there's no like not there's no tips that i can give you for that other than like play a lot of dota and just try to <laughs> try to listen to the audio it gets really confusing when there's new spells being added like the list the lich frost shield shit it sounds you know it it's it's a new thing, so it sounds different from from other things in Dota. But basically, you just have to play a lot, get used to the audio cues, and uh, yeah, the just... Pudge dismember cue is a big one. You can often hear him taking Roshan, like I don't He's know, either Roshaning or like jungling or jungling. Yeah. So I mean, I think the best way to use stuff like that is really just to look at it as essentially having an additional ward because it's just more information. It allows you, like, if you hear the pudge, just remember, you know that's on cooldown for a few seconds. 
You know yeah. that there's a Pudge in this vicinity because you wouldn't be able to hear it if he was on the other side of the map. Ash Ash Ketchum made a really good point. You 100% need audio cues versus a Monkey King. I agree. Yes. Like you you literally hear that before you see anything. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a very very important thing. I mean, I I I even hear Shadowblade as well. Like there's there's a lot of stuff, yeah. and there's there's even some like bugged stuff, like being able to see like smokes through the fog if you're looking at it at the right time and like yeah, smoke yeah. and stuff like that. So there is. A whole lot of audio and like very subtle visual cues that you can pick up if you're paying attention close enough. So just don't autopilot. <laughs> it's what it comes down to. 